Hello and welcome back, this is Jo Moon. On today's episode, I wanna talk about the rise of autism. And what I'm talking about there is the rise of the number of diagnoses that are happening each year around the world. Um, adults, and in particular adult women, are making up a big proportion of those diagnoses. Now, some scientists, doctors, and people on the internet who don't know anything at all, uh, criticize, uh, are quick to jump on this and go, oh, it's a trend. <laughs> this is just a trend. Or as one professor said, it was meaningless, um, which was loudly shouted down by fellow neurokin on their social media profiles, I can assure you, um, including from myself who quickly jumped on to say that, you know, finally understanding who you are when you are halfway through your life is not a meaningless thing at all. In fact, it is an absolutely life-changing and positive and empowering thing to happen. And most of us wish that we had had this information when we were much younger. But then other people say that there is an epidemic of autism and this kind of language and these kinds of ideas go back a really, really long way. I'd have to say here that the best book to deal with this is a book called Neurotribes by Steve Silberman. It's been out for quite a few years now, maybe five or six years. Um, Neurotribes, the legacy of autism and how to think smarter about people who think differently. It is an incredible tome of a book and it is a tome it is big i listen to it on audio it's about 30 odd hours or more on audio i listen to it in the car in sort of half hour stretches over a couple of months but i'm really glad i persisted with it it's it's dense it's data dense it's info dense but it also has a, a pretty nice um, style about it and he has a nice way of writing and he's he's definitely supportive of the neurodivergent movement um if you go back through his book, though, he, he gives this modern history of the way autism has been diagnosed and managed and mismanaged for nearly 100 years. So going starting back in the 1930s with the work of Hans Asperger, who worked with four-year-old white boys to create these profiles of what autism looked like. Now, for many decades, autism was misunderstood as a quote-unquote childhood disease um, which it is not. It is a lifelong uh, condition, if you want to call it a condition. You are autistic for life. You either are autistic or you're not. You don't grow out of it. Um, autistic children grow up to be autistic adults. Now, what has happened, though, is that until very recently, we didn't have enough science and research and understanding to sort of look beyond, I guess, the roots of where autism studies came from. And it's very clear and it's become, you know, really important to see people who exist outside of that very small demographic of young white males and to understand that girls, women, trans and non-binary individuals, black and non-white folk can also be autistic and that we might actually present quite differently to the four-year-old Austrian boys who were Hans Asperger's earliest subjects. So some very, very good um, clinicians have been working to redress 
this deficit really in the model of diagnosis and they've started they used to think that female autism was a, a subtype of autism now we know it's it's just true autism in itself and it just looks different on women than men no there's not an epidemic <laughs> we've always been here I was autistic when I was a child and I'm still autistic now. Um, our visibility may be increasing inside the psychologist's office, in the data and in the media because it gets reported on in, in quite dramatic ways. And oh my gosh, look, another mature woman has come out as autistic. But the truth is we've always been here. So a great metaphor for this is that when scientists quote-unquote, discover new planets, stars, solar systems, deep ocean sea creatures and fantastic new fungi in far-off jungles, these miraculous new wonders aren't actually discovered at all. They are uncovered. You know, the same way Australia had been always here, always here before the adventurous old Captain Cook discovered it. The same way that America was there long before Columbus or whoever, quote-unquote, discovered it. You're not discovering it, you're uncovering it. The reason we're being uncovered now is because the science has caught up. So another professor recently came out and said that the, the rate of diagnosis, which had ballooned uh, over 700 and something percent in the past year or two around the world, had meant that it had broken the system and that the numbers had become meaningless. And of course, that's not true. I mean, a true, I would just like to say that a true scientist, my understanding of science and the way science works is that you review the previous knowledge and if you find that it has changed, then you update it. You can't just discount a whole heap of new diagnoses and new information, new research as well, you've, you've broken the system and now it's meaningless. Of course you can't. Your job as a scientist is to go, huh, actually, we were kind of wrong. And now what we need to do is do some pretty speedy catch up to bring everything you know, up to speed to where it should be. I would also just like to point out, because I was thinking about this today, about this kind of, oh, autism's an epidemic, right? <clears throat> but if you look at the statistics, of the of how many people in the world are autistic and they vary greatly from country to country and we also know that there's huge numbers of people who aren't diagnosed so they aren't being represented in those numbers so but let's just go with you know a conservative idea upper limit of two two percent may look let's be super wild and say it's three percent just for fictional, you know, ideas. Because um, so, around the world, if you sort of do a bit of a internet search, you'll find stats sort of between 1% and 2.5%, something like that. But let's be wild and say it's 3%. I thought to myself, gosh, that doesn't really seem like an epidemic. And I wonder how many people have depression and anxiety. So I went and had a look at Beyond Blue's website. So Beyond Blue here in Australia 
is an organisation that deals with depression and anxiety. And I wanted to know, well, what's the rate of that? They say 3 million Australians are living with anxiety or depression. They say that roughly 45% of the population has or will have anxiety and or depression in their life. Now, I don't know about you, but 2 or 3% versus 45%, that feels to me, if we're going to throw the word epidemic around, maybe we should be throwing it towards depression and anxiety. Hey, I'm not a scientist. I don't have a doctorate, but I think I've got some pretty good common sense and I don't know, those numbers just don't match up to me. So that's what I wanted to talk about is this this rise of autism, this trendy thing that's happening when really it's not. We're still not talking big numbers. We should be. We should be talking much bigger numbers than we are. Um, And hopefully we will get there because it is a very important thing to have a correct diagnosis for what's going on. But the numbers are certainly not meaningless. There certainly isn't an epidemic. What is happening is that science is catching up and a whole lot of professionals, some of whom are taking their time to do it, are actually catching up with what's really going on. They're my thoughts for today. See you next time.